News. While your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. Welcome to South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow. Uh, Chris has the day off, night off. Can't make a McCarthy work on St. Patrick's Day. So it'll just be me this evening. But first, we're joined uh, by Bristol County Sheriff Paul Harreau. Hey, Sheriff. Hey, Marcus. How's it going? Good. Thanks for joining me. So uh, there's a story on WBSM.com that people can check out. Um, you wrote a letter to the state lawmakers um, asking them for uh, something to help you along with your plan to close the Ash Street Jail. What is that? Yeah, so the first thing we need to do is a feasibility study. I have an idea, and I want to um, explore whether or not it's a good idea. You know, it's, uh, it seems like it's a good idea in my mind, but I'm not an architect or an engineer. Yeah. and so I think all my ideas are good ideas, too. Yeah, I think as most people yeah. think that way. But right. uh, so, but as as an administrator, though, you know, I have to make sure that my ideas are vetted before we start uh, spending money on them. Of course. And so, the feasibility study would request, uh, you know, three hundred thousand dollars to look at whether or not my idea to close Ash Street and move the operations over to Dartmouth, which could cost several million dollars, um, is feasible. So. The project, like the, the feasibility study, uh, is just the first thing. And what it does is it says, okay, if, you know, the idea that Paul has, is it a good idea? Maybe, maybe not. But here is what is a good idea. So it's a starting place. Um, mm-hmm. it, it, we might walk away with a different proposal on what we want to do, but this is just where we're starting, though. So what... um what is a feasibility study and uh, who does it? So a feasibility study looks at how much is a project going to cost? What's the best way to do it? Um, and, you know, like where should we do it? You know, so it looks at those general issues. You know, uh, what's the best way to accomplish what we want to do? Closing Ash Street. Where's the best place to do it? And then how much is it going to cost? So mm-hmm. it's those three things. Um and who does it? It's, you know, sometimes it can be done internally uh, at DCAM. You know, they can use their own architects and engineers. Other times, they might hire uh, like outside architects or engineers. Okay. But basically, it's a study that tells us what the right thing to do is because we, it's it. We don't want to just say, okay, this is what we should do, and then just do it in a vacuum. We want to make sure that the idea has been fully explored by other people who have considered a lot more uh, kind of nuanced questions than we are going to consider. D, uh, DCAM, now that's the um, Department of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance as far as, yeah. As, yeah. It's, yeah, basically it's actually division of, but it's, it's sure. the same, what you just said, it's the same thing, as, but yeah, what you just said is correct though. Okay. 
So we're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro, uh, talking about a letter he sent to state lawmakers. Now, the letter that is on file on the story at WBSM.com, that's a letter to, to, to uh, Senator Mike Rodericks, who's chairman of the Ways and Means Committee. Did you just send him the letter or did you send it to everybody else in, del- in, the, in the delegation? No, we sent it to pretty much everybody else. Um, it was something that I want to get wide support with. And, you know, if we're able to do this, if we're able to close Ash Street, we would be transforming our operation in a, in a good way. You know, we have 200,000 square feet that we're maintaining right now. We can probably house these 100 inmates in a lot smaller space, maybe 20,000 square feet. So it's a lot less maintenance we have to deal with. We would be able to increase programming uh, for the inmates and because there's a lot more programming hours available at, uh, at uh, Dartmouth than there is at Ash Street. And we could also have all the correctional officers on one campus. So if there is a security incident, it's a lot safer for everyone. Um, so there's, there's really, you know, like a lot of different reasons why we should do this. And, um, you know, there's, there's no one reason that's driving it. It's a whole bunch of different things. And as you know, you cover the campaign. I didn't campaign on this. I didn't want to campaign on closing Ash Street because I didn't know all of the nuances that were involved in closing it and you know in the first couple of weeks i looked at this and i said well this is achievable and so now we're working on it so we're speaking with uh bristol county sheriff paul Haro. um any um any idea uh, i i know there's been some early res- uh early um su- broad support for the idea of closing Astry, you know, I heard Rep Hendricks and Rep Doherty talk at the uh, Dartmouth jail to the media. Um, but is there, has there been any, um, uh, any other conversations after, after that? Yeah. So I haven't, I didn't get a chance to do my emails all day. I'll probably do them after I get off the phone with you, but I, we emailed all the state delegation and, um, we, uh, I have to look to see if anybody else responded, but Carol Doherty responded. And I know Chris Markey also responded, um, you know, Rep. Hendricks also was, you know, on board. So this, uh, the state legislature, they have the power of the purse. Mm-hmm. So what we need to do is get them to get, uh, you know, successfully put $300,000 in the budget uh, to set aside specifically for this purpose. It would basically be an earmark. And that would need, that money would need to get over to the DCAM um, budget. And, you know, so like there's different ways that can be done. So it, which way doesn't really matter to me. Um, but th- that's kind of what they, the state delegation would work on. Once they fund this study, we do the study. And that then kind of gives us a general roadmap of the next steps. Okay, so, well, you know, hey, Paul, your idea to do it over here isn't a great one. But, you know, the study found that this is the better way to do it. Okay, that's fine. I came up with one way. It might not be the best way, and I'm okay with that. But the point, the important thing is that we just get something done. So, you, I, you know, like you said, I did cover the campaign, and uh, you were um, reluctant to, to move towards closing Ash Street. But now it seems like something... I venture to say you're enthusiastic about, um, you think it's probably, is it fair to say that you think it's a necessary step forward to modernizing corrections in Bristol County? Yeah, absolutely. And this, I have to start this at an early stage. I'm only two and a half months on the job, but the reason I need to start early is because it's going to take years to achieve this. It's mm-hmm. not going to be done next year or the year after. This is probably a three, four, five year project. Um, probably closer to four or five years away. Just in so, time for your re-election campaign. 
Yeah, well, that's, you know, <laughs> I, I wouldn't be timing it just in time for that. You know, that wouldn't be the idea. Oh, look, he just closed it. Now he's running for re-election a couple months later. No, yeah. it, it's going to take that long anyway. If I could do it sooner, that would be great. But, it, again, like I said earlier, we can offer, um, I think what Jonathan Darling, public relations officer, said is, I think it was about 44 hours of program availability each day in Dartmouth versus something like 14 hours per week mm-hmm. in Ash. So the availability of programming for inmates to help reduce reoffending is much greater at um, in, in Dartmouth. That's number one. Number two is we would be able to consolidate all of the security officers on one campus, which improves safety because then you have a lot more available like officers uh, that can help respond to an incident. And then you also have the cost savings of not maintaining 200,000 square feet of building, whereas if we were to do it where my idea was, would be the GC, um, you know, the, the modular, not the modular, the um, gymnasium, it's called GC, that's the uh, number of it, um, that if we were to do that, that's only maintaining about 9,000 square feet unless we put a, a second uh, mezzanine in there, like a, 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 not a second mezzanine, a second floor, but a mezzanine, then it would be more along the lines of probably 15,000 square feet. That's a lot cheaper for us than doing 200,000 square feet. We're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Hero um, about his letter to the state lawmaker uh, delegation here in the South Coast and in Bristol County, uh, asking them to fund a feasibility study uh, in, to hopefully close the Ash Street Jail. So um, you've been in the state legislature. You were a state rep for some time. Um, is this, so you have some experience with this, um, you had estimated a cost just based on your time on the bonding committee, and uh, you said that was around ten million. Is that is that correct? Almost. If um, if we were to retrofit the ICE detention center, I estimate the ICE detention center would be closer to ten million dollars. But if we do, it might be a little bit more than that. But if we do the um, gymnasium. That would probably be close to like six to eight million dollars. Okay, and there might even be cheaper ways to do it as well. Um, in fact, uh, DCAM was at the jail today. Chris Horta, the maintenance director, he uh, invited them here. We gave them a tour around. We showed them numerous things that we had in mind: big ticket items, stuff that involves um, you know, improving morale, decreasing suicide, you know, saving. It's just a whole bunch of different things. We we spent the entire morning with them, and they were really generous with their time. So. Yeah, that's something that, um, you know, that estimate is actually more based on my time as mayor looking at capital projects we were doing in Attleboro. But, I mean, I've got a little five years of experience in the state house. You know, four of those five years were on the bond committee where we did big projects like this. You know, we funded them. So um, just based on your experience as a state legislator, um, is this 300000 for a feasibility study? Is this a heavy lift for any member of the state delegation? No, no, this is actually, if you have the state delegation working together on this, this is a real easy, achievable uh, project just to get the feasibility study. And that's the first step. I mean, if we don't have the feasibility study, this isn't going anywhere. And there are, um, you know, so that this is the first thing we have to do in about $300,000 out of a $50 billion budget. I mean, this is a, a really small uh, drop in the bucket compared to a lot of the other things that the state has to take care of. And this is something they could procure 
in this um, budget session, you know, uh, the I, they finalized the budget when like around July first. Mm -hmm. So this is something they could they could procure by the by summertime. It possibly or could be before it or after it because there are supplemental budgets that are passed throughout the year. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what the state delegation has in mind. I'll leave that to them to figure out what the best time to do it. Um, you know, I'm just uh, really glad that they're taking an interest in this because I, we can we can improve operations, save money, make things safer, but I just can't do it alone. Like I need their help to do it. Without them, it, it's not going to get done. Of course. So um, uh, you talked about DCAM again for people who may just be tuning in or, or forgot the acronym that we spelled out. It's the State Department. It's the Division of Capital Asset Management and Maintenance. So um, you said that they were looking at some stuff at your... Um, at the at the at the jails today, what what exactly were they taking a look at? Because we last time you were here, we did talk about suicide prevention and the the how the infrastructure of the jail needs to be improved to prevent uh, you know more inmate suicides. Well, one of the things we showed them were the windows. The windows have bars that are vertical, but then when the window the vertical bar hits the window sill. Um, that's a point where you could wrap something around it and basically hang yourself just by sitting down and letting yourself pass out. And this has happened before numerous times, not necessarily with the window, but with other areas within the, um, the cells. And so we have to get rid of these risk factors. And one of them is if we were to, so if we, we were to try and put some type of plexiglass over the windows where the, um, bars are, that would eliminate the risk of using that. But there's a problem with that. The um, Those units, those housing units, don't have air conditioning or they don't have any real ventilation. And you might say to yourself, well, why do we care if inmates have air conditioning? Well, there's a couple of reasons. And it, it's the, you know, if we, like really hot, hot, um, stressful conditions can be dangerous, uh, not just for the inmates, but for the correctional officers who work there. So increasing, like, you know, putting in a proper HVAC system in these housing units, um, that's a big capital project. But then what that does is it helps us uh, um, make it so that we can, you know, uh, put these plexiglass panes over the windows, which the windows, and I didn't mention this, the windows can currently be cracked open to allow for some circulation. So this is a uh, an issue that if we were able to get, indeed, we need DCAM to do this to help um with HVAC, but if we can do that, we can decrease the risk of suicide. We can improve improve the work conditions for the correctional officers and make the work conditions for correctional officers safer, as well as making it safer for inmates as well, because sometimes inmates lash out at each other, not necessarily always a correctional officer. So there's a, that's one project. And by doing that, though, you're also improving the work conditions for correctional officers. And if the work conditions are better for them, then there it's going to be one more thing to help us try and re uh, retain them when they're there because it's a, it's a really tough job. There's no tough question about that. We're speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Hero. I, I know I talked to you a little bit about this last time, but it's worth talking about again. Um, you were talking you. We were discussing how you've uh, gone through sort of a reorganization um, to create a position for a director of inmate services. Mm -hmm. um, how, you know, what kind of organizational changes have you made thus far and have you hired uh, that person yet? So now that I have, I've, I've looked at the old org chart and where all the different people were reporting and where they were residing 
under the old org chart. Now what I'm doing in the process of doing is meeting with all of the different staff to find out what we are going to keep the same, what we're going to improve, what we're going to reform. And so that, you know, there's a lot of services going on right now, but there was really no strategic plan to bring the inmates in and start their discharge planning at time of admission. It was, it was kind of, it was kind of uh, erratic, you know, it's haphazard. It, there was, like I said, there's no strategic plan to really address everybody. So that's something I'm working on right now. Um, finding out what everybody is actually doing and then, you know, having them report to one person. Because right now, uh, a lot of this reports to Steve Souza, the superintendent. And, you know, he's got a lot on his plate, probably too much. I've worked in a couple other systems before where all of these services were not under the superintendent. They were under, you know, they were under like a, a different uh, head, like a different director. And it just, you know, to, if you spread yourself too thin, things are going to suffer. And that's, that's what I want to avoid. I want to have one person really dedicated to inmate services where they're focused on medical, uh, food, uh, discharge planning, which is housing, health care, and a job when they're, after, when they're released, inmate programs. So the director would then have a number of deputy directors. And then the deputy directors would have different coordinators to help out with things under them. So it, it would be a multi-tiered approach, but it, then it, it would have something where everybody is working towards a shared goal. And that's kind. That's what I'd like to do. Because right now, like I said, it's, it's just kind of, hey, we get a grant. Let's implement the grant. Good. Now, how many people are going to show up? I don't know. We'll just see who we can put in the program. And whoever wants to sign up for it can sign up. There's really no sense of, like, uh, there's really no sense of, uh, like, uh, I don't know, completion, like what's the outcome we're trying to achieve? Um, it's just, yeah, we'll just kind of house people along and then they can hop into a program and, you know, that's, you know, that, well, that'll, that'll be good. Maybe it's good. We don't even measure the programs to see if they work. So I, I think we can just do a lot better. There's no specific um, goals that are delineated in this process, basically, is what you're saying, right? There's yeah, no, you know, yeah. So part of it is reducing reoffending and, you know, that we have to measure that in a, uh, like a meaningful way for our institution, but that's, that's part of the goals. Um, you know, it's, it's setting people up for success. It's being able to say, Hey, look, this is what we're doing with every inmate. And right now it's, it's just a little bit too scattered. You know, that like, I, I'm, I don't know how to put it other than the saying there's really no plan you know there's it's just kind of like hey just show up at a program or not show it we can do better i mean there's, there's a little bit of I mean, there's a lot of good people who work there who are trying to do a good job but there's no co cohesive approach to the you know care of an inmate seems like um okay so seems like there's been some shake up there in terms of the organization of the of the bristol county sheriff's office that's to be expected obviously when there's a changeover after you know a quarter century but how are the employees responding to this reorganization uh, effort? The things I'm hearing um, are uh, positive, you know, and the whole, I, I, these, I wish, I, I, I hope people understand that, you know, kind of giving me the good doesn't really help me. I mean, it does a little bit because then I say, okay, keep going in this direction. Yeah. But what really does help a lot, it, it, more than, you know, being praised is actually getting the, Feedback, and I'm not talking about just you know criticism for the sake of criticism. I'm talking about constructive, like, hey, this is we could do this a little bit differently and a little bit better. That's where I'm going to improve 
the system. It's with the input from people who are doing the jobs and they say, okay, have you, and a lot of these ideas, I get emails from staff on a regular basis with new ideas. Some of them I'm able to address right away. Some of them I'm, I'm setting aside, but I am, I created a little folder in my inbox where all these ideas I'm going to address over the course of time, but every one of them I am um, I'm considering, you know, and maybe not actively right now, but I will be looking at all of them in the future. Just kind of a lot going on right now. So, of course, but yeah, they, there's a lot of folks who have good ideas though. Well, you said during the campaign, because you're talking about the recidivism and all that, which for people who don't know is basically the rate in which people reoffend once they're out of prison and end up back in prison or, or jail uh, in this circumstance. Um, you said it's, it's you know, when you became sheriff that it would be very easy to start measuring recidivism, that you did it when you were in the Philadelphia jails. Um, have you started doing that? Yes. We have, um, there's nothing I can report on right now. What it is is I have to get the data first. The data to measure our reoffending has to be organized in a way on an Excel spreadsheet. We have to extract it from our computer system. So I've had several meetings about that, um, and we're moving along, you know, like step by step with this. Uh, and, but basically, my first one was say with um, someone in Deirdre. You know, I said, okay, this is what we'd like to do. She then brought in somebody else. Said, okay, this is you know where we want to go with this. And so what we're doing is, uh, for me to do it, which is it's it's you know, possible, it's going to happen. Um, I just have to get the data. But the data, it can't be on paper, can't be loose leaf files. It's, you know, we have to also define things and know what we're defining. So that way you can draw only certain conclusions based on what we've presented. So what I have to do is look at what we have and then say, okay, this is what we're, what we've measured. And this, these are the implications of it. But you can't draw anything beyond what we're saying right here because the data doesn't allow for that but so right now we're in that kind of uh that phase where we are kind of lay, figuring out exactly what it's it, it takes time just like when i was in philadelphia it took months to do the study in philadelphia and it's it, people can still look it up just by you know going to my website paulfro.org uh, forward slash philadelphia recidivism and the report that i did gosh probably 14 15 years ago I'm going to replicate that here. And it's something that it, it did. It took a long time in Philadelphia as well. And it'll take, you know, because there's a lot that goes into it. It's not just saying, okay, well, here it is. If it was that easy, it would have already been done. But there's a lot to reporting on data that's in its rawest form on it, which is coming to me on an Excel spreadsheet, which is going to be thousands of rows of information and possibly dozens of columns. So there's a lot to it. Speaking with Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro, um, I appreciate you joining me this evening. Is there anything that we didn't cover, anything that you want to leave the audience with before I let you go? Uh, nothing I think of, but uh, thanks for having me back on, Marcus. Anytime. Talk to you later. Take care. Bye. That was Bristol County Sheriff Paul Haro um, talking about the correspondence he sent to the state lawmakers asking for money for a feasibility study to close the Ash Street Jail. Really interesting um, conversation I think it's been thus far and it started here on South Coast tonight when he broke that news um, so 508-996-0500 is hiking again in the program uh, you know what I see a call on the line before I take a break let's go to it good evening hey how are you doing good listen I, you know I, I mean I like Paul um, Paul he, he a great guy um, he's gonna you know he's worked very hard to get where he is mm-hmm but one of the biggest things is reintegration. Meaning? Um, 
reintegration with the prisoners and getting them back out there to sure. not reoffend. Right. So, you know, he wants to close the Ash Street Jail. Well, why not use the Ash Street Jail as a reintegration center for the lower level prisoners who are getting out within a couple of months, you know, mm. and just let them, you know, um, you know, work with staff members over there. I guess the- I'll tell you what, it's very hard. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to throw it out there because I, you know, I've been in, incarcerated. Sure. So I know how reintegration works. Well, well and I-, I think reintegration would be a very good thing for that, that particular jail because, you know, it, very, number one, it's a historical building. Sure. Number two, yeah, it could be utilized. Well, it could be utilized to help, you know, the people of New Bedford, right? to help, you know, the community get back. And, you know, these people who, you know, okay, they offend. I get it. But, you know, why not educate? Yeah, I mean, I think that's, I mean, it, it feels like just from the, I don't know if reintegration is a specific definition that I don't that maybe I'm not um, aware of. It feels like that's, that's you know, one of the, the policy goals that he's trying to achieve when he talks about housing, healthcare, and a job. That feels like if someone's got those things, that feels like they've been reintegrated, you know, fully reintegrated into, into society. As far as using Ash Street for um, a way of it reintegrating inmates, uh, again, might be a process I'm not familiar with, you might be more familiar with than I am, um, but it would just be a matter of, you know, how many people in Ash Street are being you know, reintegrated, does it justify operating a building that large and that old and, you know, at the, you know, probably current expenses that, you know, it, it, it is, I think it's like 5 million a year to operate, you know, is exactly. that something that can be carried out in the Dartmouth facility? As far as the Astrid Jail being a historical building, I, you know, me personally, just as someone who lives in the community, I'm fully okay with moving on from the history of the Astrid Jail and, and starting something new there. Okay, well, well and, and I just thought it would be a great idea. I mean, I you know about it. No, no, I, I understand. It's just a matter of, I think it's an old building. So uh, it would just be a matter of how many, you know, how many inmates are using this as a reintegration center. Is it actually habitable for that, right? Because one of the arguments for Astrid is that it's dated and that people shouldn't live there or people shouldn't spend a significant amount of time there because that building isn't really, you know, up to code. Well, you, you, actually, you just said it yourself. Uh, you know, people wouldn't be spending, an, uh, you know, a long period of time there. Mm-hmm. That's a reintegration center. Okay. For people who are leaving within a month, a couple of months, to work privately with staff members who are able to help them get back out there. Right. You know, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, it, it you know, it's club med because it is. <laughs> right. I but that's jail for you. You know, you don't want to spend any more time there. Then you want to reintegrate yourself back into community. Sure. To do things right. Hey, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Well, you have a good night, sir. You as well. Uh, 508-996-0500. Listen, I see some calls online. I got to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Hey, welcome back to South Coast Night. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. So you can get on the program. Let's go back to the phones. Good evening. Marcus, how are you? Happy St. Patrick's hey, Day. Hey, Barry. Happy St. Pat- Pat- uh, Patrick's Day to you yeah. as well. Hey. 
Where is my favorite harp? Is he okay? Everything yeah, good? yeah. He can't make a McCarthy work on St. Patrick's Day, so he'll uh, oh, he'll be, he'll be back Monday. What? I said I you can't make him a you can't make a McCarthy work on St. Patrick's Day, so he'll be back Monday. Thank you for that. I went to an Irish Catholic college, and I didn't even think of that. I just wanted to wish him well and uh, yeah, uh, favorite holiday. So, um, Marcus, real quick, a uh, couple of things. So this week uh, and is the half marathon, right? Yeah, Sunday. Sunday, and mm-hmm. you know, a couple of your brothers are running in it, right? Yeah, yeah, dummies. Okay, <laughs> where where are we going to be to pick up the pieces of those old? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, he's been training, right? He's been uh, he's been working at it. Yep, they have, they have, but it's nothing that crossing that finish line is not going to be like when you guys were at uh, oh another Irish Catholic school. Oh, uh, European, yeah. When you guys, when you guys won that. That was amazing, Marcus. The Shamrocks. Amazing. They were the Shamrocks too. Yeah, we we stuffed them at the one yard line. That's yeah, right. You didn't even have, you didn't have your starting running back, and uh, and you guys killed it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm so proud of you. Hey, so real quick, um, you know, again moving forward, um, I had a couple of calls from friends that have their sons that are uh, um, on this revocation for the windmill uh, mm-hmm. projects. Okay. They're doing training. I don't know if you know about this. Is it through Nawi or? Uh, I, Marcus, I'm not going to lie to you. I don't know. Okay. But, um, it, I, you know, it's kind of positive. Listen, I'm an old guy, but I, if this trend is going and there's all this training and revocation for the uh, fishermen and whatnot to come in to take these classes to get jobs, which is important to the community, for the, you know, for the potential windmills that are going to go out there, um, I don't know your listening audience, but I got a couple of calls this week from friends that have sons that are going to take these classes and, you know, ask to stay at my house. So kind of like going to be when you were living here and, and, and staying there, kind of cool. But right. you know anything about this, Marcus? No, so, no, I, I uh, you know, I know that they have, they're starting up that National Offshore Wind Institute that that's being run by BCC that's going to be over by the port, but... Um, in terms of other job training stuff, I'm not I'm not super familiar with that, honestly. So maybe maybe you could look into it because I'm a uh, you know I'm a knee jerk reaction kind of guy, and you can talk all day long about things. I'm a statistics guy, but until something happens, you know, I kind of don't believe it. But for me to get phone calls to put you know some of my friends' sons up in my house, which gladly would do. It, it means that this is actually taking off to the to the point that these these uh, I, I don't want to say fishermen I don't want to get into a category having had three kids go to Mass Maritime there's many categories of offshore um, in in mariners but Marcus I mean I was like you were the first guy I thought of the call because this is actually happening I've heard nothing about it on the radio. And if anybody would be able to research his son, it's clearly you. And I think it's a, a, a positive thing where this is actually happening, no? Yeah, no, I think it's great, right? It's one of the big pitches for the, uh, for the industry is that, that, that type of development, I think, right? It's like one of the big, the big draws. Actually, the governor was saying to, uh, the governor was saying the other day uh, when we were over in at the Marine Commerce Terminal, that like, hey, this is uh, 
you know, this is why I'm so invested in it. It's, you know, permanent job opportunities down here in the South Coast and across the Commonwealth, stuff like that. So it's great. So, and, and I'm a fisherman. I'm a, uh, you know, not rod, I'm rod and reel, but, yeah. you know, we got a lot of heritage. But um, I, I believe that maybe you guys can jettison this into a positive thing. We need a lot of positive things here, Marcus. And if the, if the pockets are deep and that this is really happening, I believe yeah. it's happening. I got people staying at my house that are going to have textbooks and studying. It's really cool. Me, I'm not help them, but I, I I think maybe you guys could expand on that and and make it a you know let everybody in the community know that this is really happening. Yeah, uh, you know I've I've had Vineyard Wind on a few times. Um, the former Ward Four Councilor Dana Ribeiro, she works for them now. She's come on to talk about some of the job fairs they have. But you know I've I've always I've been wanting to get more offshore wind companies on here just to d- talk about some of like what's happening in the industry and all that. So yeah, absolutely. And I, I got the mayor on next week, actually. So maybe I can ask him about that as well. Oh, you know what else would be cool, Marcus, is if I could put some of these kids in touch with you and maybe they could come on and tell this story about how they're going to be revocated. I mean, that's a big thing. You know, That's pretty cool. Old dog, new tricks. I like it. All right. Hey, happy St. Patrick's Day, brother. You too. Thanks. 508-996-0500 is how you can join me. Also taking your messages on the WBSM app chat. It is St. Patrick's Day. <sighs> I don't really do much on St. Patrick's Day. I used to go to the Newport Parade. That was always the Saturday before, though. Um, I always in- I prefer So I've been to the Boston Parade. I've been to the Newport Parade. I have definitely prefer the Newport Parade to the Boston Parade. And maybe it's just because it's smaller and more manageable. I don't go to either now. I don't really care to. But, um, but you know, when I wore younger man's clothes, so to speak, uh, I used to like going to the Newport Parade. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. Um, not to say there isn't older people that enjoy that parade, and they should. It's not something I enjoy anymore. Uh, but now my the entirety of my St. Patrick's Day celebration is going to the Friendly Sons of St. Patrick Gala. That's pretty much it. After that, I'm good. But I hope you're all having a great St. Patrick's Day. And if you want to join in on the fun, you can at 508-996-0500. You can also shoot me a message on the WBSM app chat. This is South Coast Tonight. I'm Marcus Farrow, and we're here on 1420 and 99.5. WBSM. We're on the app, too. Got an app. Download it. I guess take a break. New Bedford's News Talk Station. 1420 WBS. 300. Have your voice heard right now on South Coast Tonight. Call 508-996-0500 or send an app chat message on the WBSM app. Now, back to Chris and Marcus. Hey, welcome back. Let's go to the phones. Good evening. Hey, good evening, Mike. What's up? Not too much. I was, uh, as I mentioned in the uh, the wind farm thing there, I was driving by there in the South 10. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've been by there lately. Have you been by there lately? Um, well, yeah, I was at the Marine Commerce Terminal, which, yeah, is over by the South End or close to it. Sure. Okay, so you guys were down there when the mayor was talking the other day? Yeah, I was there. Yep. You see the size of those trains that get down there? The trains? Crane. Oh, the cranes? Yeah, yeah, they're massive because the parts are going to be pretty massive. Yeah. 
I've never seen a crane that big before. Yeah. I've seen skyscrapers going up in a lot of different places. I've never seen cranes that big before. And I think uh, the governor had said at the um, at the event in about a, like exactly one month from today, uh, those cranes are going to start carrying those uh, wind turbine parts out there. So you're going to see it's going to be some massive. Um, They're going to put the cranes on ships. I no, not that I, big one. I saw. No, there. no, no. They're not going to put them on ships. They're going to be, I guess. Bringing the parts out, maybe putting the parts on the ships. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if they're going to make those any bigger. I saw one part coming coming into town on a truck. Yeah, it was probably about maybe about a hundred feet long or so. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it, it looks like they get they have room that they can make those things even taller if they wanted to. I mean, yeah, it's I, I, it, I'd be interested to know more about those cranes, like who, where are they made, uh, where do they come from. Yeah, well, you know, I can get I can get someone on from Vineyard Wind, um, actually, to talk more about that because I think as this starts happening, which you know, again, I think the governor said in about a month, I, I'm definitely interested in learning more about that as well. Okay, sounds good. Thank you. Thanks. Yep. Yeah, no, they're they're big. I was there. Um, I was looking at them in that workyard. It's quite the thing. And um, yeah, as those you know, as those parts start going out, you know, I guess they're going to start doing that building. Um, April 17th, I believe, was the announcement. I think it's Patriot's Day, uh, which is a holiday only for... So Patriot's Day, it's obviously the day of the Boston Marathon, but it's only a holiday for... Um, I know Massachusetts, obviously, but I think Wisconsin... I think Patriot's Day is a holiday. It's definitely a holiday for Massachusetts, but I think there's one other state... And I think it's Wisconsin, and it's to you know basically it's to commemorate the the Lexington and Concord right, the Battle of Lexington and Concord, the shot heard around the around the world, this you know the official whatever start of the Revolutionary War to the extent that there was an official like start date. So yeah, I th- but they said Patriot anyway. They said Patriots Day is when those when they're going to start doing the construction on that stuff. So I'm interested in that as well, actually. And so hopefully we'll get someone on from um, from Vineyard Wind uh, or uh, another wind company. I've been talking to some people about getting these wind companies on, uh, especially with some of the drama that's gone on with you know um, Avant Grid and uh, you know you got State Senator Roderick saying he wants to cancel their business. Um, because they're, you know, if they back out of contracts, it's, it's really, we'll flesh that all out probably next week sometime. Um, we have Mayor Mitchell on, but, um, yeah, I, I definitely am interested in that as well. But Patriots Day is supposed to be, I think, the start of like the construction on that. I think that was part of Healy's like announcements that she was making, along with the fact that they're investing 1% of the $55 billion budget into the executive office of, environmental uh, energy and environmental affairs and they're tripling the budget of the massachusetts um uh uh got it wow (laughs) totally i i should know this and i totally forgot the name clean energy center massachusetts clean energy center that's it sorry i gotta take a break it's a good time to take a break Hey, welcome back to the show. I'm Marcus, 508-996-0500. If you want to call me in the 8 or 9 o'clock hour, I'm here with you till 10 o'clock. So give me a buzz. Um, Got a lot of local stuff to talk about, some stuff going on across the state. 
uh, just you know, open phone lines, uh, whatever you want to discuss. I'm 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 cool with it. I'm totally cool with it. So just let me know five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. That's how you can join me, or we'll take your messages on the WBSM app chat, whichever um, whichever whichever you're good with, whatever you're comfortable with. I'm comfortable with. Don't worry. Any which way. You want a message? You want a call? Take it. All right. I'll talk to you in the 8 o'clock hour. Stay tuned.